Blog Talk Radio. Alright, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest call-in number is going to be 626 231 Zero three zero nine. I repeat, six two six two three one zero three zero nine. And on this wonderful evening of September fourth, two thousand seventeen, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, don't look down, folks. But it's Labor Day. It's the early stages of September, and with that said, it is time for another season of football in the NFL. Now, 31 teams are going to enter this season attempting to dethrone the New England Patriots as Super Bowl champions, and 32 teams will begin this year in the quest to reach Minneapolis in February for Super Bowl number 52. But with that said, there's only a chosen few that really have a good opportunity to make it to Minneapolis and win it. Now, I'm going to start off in the AFC East. And the bottom line is, it's the New England Patriots, and it's everyone else. And who out there is going to be able to dethrone this team? Now, like I just said, The Pats come into this season as the defending Super Bowl champions. They've had their losses as far as personnel, but they still have Bill Belichick as their head coach, and you still have Tom Brady as quarterback. Now, they lost wide receiver Julian Edelman recently in the preseason to a torn ACL, and that is going to change things because for Brady – Edelman was one of his go-to guys. He was one of the top slot receivers in the NFL, and you cannot take away from his leadership aspect as well. But the Patriots are still the Patriots, and the bottom line is for Belichick, it's the next guy up, and you simply do your job. You bring in a guy like Brandon Cooks at wide receiver, whom the Patriots were able to acquire this offseason from the New Orleans Saints, and I think he's going to be able to have an impact for this team. He brings that speed element. We saw the maturation process of the youngster at wide receiver in Malcolm Mitchell last year. This is another opportunity for Danny Amendola to step up. And on top of that, you still have Rob Gronkowski. Now, Gronkowski missed the majority of 2016 due to injuries, but he's back now and he's healthy. And his understudy last year, Martellus Bennett, came up big, but he left as a free agent to join the Green Bay Packers. But New England would go out and acquire tight end Dwayne Allen from the Indianapolis Colts. And you can say whatever you want, but the Patriots probably do the best job in the NFL of using two tight end sets. And if you want to try to sit up there and double-team or triple-team Rob Gronkowski, Dwayne Allen can burn you. It's just the fact to me, I think he was a little bit underutilized 
for the first part of his NFL career with the Indianapolis Colts. But I guarantee you he will definitely get his opportunity to get his touches with the Patriots and their offense. Now New England is also going to miss LeGarrette Blunt at running back, but it's going to be more of the speed game this year with Deion Lewis and James White. And for Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, I think you're going to see him use a lot of Lewis and a lot of White in swing passes and screen passes because those are going to be de facto runs for New England. They're going to go down in the stat sheet as passes. But the bottom line is you get those speedsters, the football in space, and you know what they can do. Just look back to the fourth quarter and overtime of Super Bowl 51, and it's a clear idea of what James White can do. Now, New England did lose some key veterans on the defensive side of the football. Defensive end Rob Ninkovich decided to retire while Chris Long, he only signed a one-year deal with New England last year, but he jettisoned them, and he went to the Philadelphia Eagles in free agency. But, again, just like it is on offense for New England, it's simply the next guy up. You have defensive tackle Malcolm Brown, who is beginning to come into his own on that D-line. You also have Allen Branch. They were able to bring back Dante Hightower, which is going to be big. You bring in a guy like Kyle Van Noy and Shea McClellan. So I tell you like this. New England is still going to be stout up front because the bottom line is with Belichick and his coaching, everybody simply does their job. You look at the back end in that secondary, and you have a lot of free uh, veterans back there. You have Malcolm Butler at corner. You have Devin McCourty at free safety. You have Patrick Chung at strong safety, and these guys know Belichick's system. And then you bring in a cornerback like Stephon Gilmore, the former Buffalo Bill, So New England is still going to be a team to be reckoned with. Now, the one team that probably has the best opportunity to push New England in this division is going to be the Miami Dolphins. Miami came out of nowhere last year to earn a wild card spot in their first year under head coach Adam Gase. And I give Gase a lot of credit because he simplified things and he focused on the run game and he got, Miami to the playoffs with a backup quarterback and Matt Moore. Of course, Ryan Tannehill suffered that injury late in the regular season, but Miami really got on a roll at that point. And the reason why they got on a roll is due to the fact that the Dolphins were able to consistently run the football. Now, of course, Tannehill is out for the year with a knee injury, but the Dolphins were able to go out and and sign former Chicago Bears quarterback Jay Cutler. And it was big for Miami to sign him because – of the familiarity that he had with Adam Gase. In 2015, Gase was the offensive coordinator for the uh, the Chicago Bears. And in that year, Cutler enjoyed one of the better years of his career due to the fact that Gase simplified things for him. The Bears ran the football. And then on top of that, Gase made Cutler feel comfortable from the standpoint of knowing that, hey, you don't have to do it all by yourself. Run the football. If you don't see the deep pass, feel free to check it down to your tight ends and your backs. And that is what Cutler did. And because of that, his completion percentage went up. And with Cutler coming to the Bear, uh, pardon me, to the Dolphins this year, granted he was about, he literally did retire. It's a situation where, you know what, Jay Cutler doesn't have to go out there and play hero ball. And as long as Jay Cutler plays within the realm of the Dolphins system, they're going to be okay. Because you look at Jay Ajayi, 
this guy really, you know, I, I'm not even going to say he burst on the scene last year because I saw him run and produce in college at Boise State, and I always knew that the talent was there. Now he just got to do it on a bigger stage. But just give the ball to J.H.I. You look at the wide receiver situation. You have Jarvis Landry, who is one of the best in the, in the NFL right now. And you also have Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills, guys who are definitely no pushovers when it comes to being wide receivers either. So if you're Jay Cutler, simply don't go out there and try to win the game by yourself. You have enough talent around you to get to the playoffs. Defensively, the Dolphins, they play angry. You look at the likes of Ndamukong Sue and Cameron Wake on that D-line. You bring in a couple of veteran linebackers in Lawrence Timmons and Ray Mauluga. Lawrence Timmons spent his entire NFL career up until this point with the Pittsburgh Steelers, while Mauluga was with the Cincinnati Bengals. These guys know how to get to the playoffs, and of course, Timmons was able to win a Super Bowl championship with the Steelers. So I look at this Dolphins team. I'm not saying that they are going to be able to overtake the Patriots for first place in the AFC East, but they are definitely going to be a squad that will be formidable. Now, for the Buffalo Bills, they went 7-9 and nine last year. This team has the longest current active playoff drought in the NFL. You have to go back to the 1999 NFL season to find the last time that the Bills were able to make the postseason. And <clears throat> for Buffalo, this is an organization that is still in plenty of disarray. Numerous uh, quarterback changes, numerous head coaching changes over the years, numerous general manager changes over the years. And you got you to gotta say, since last December, the, the, the amount of dysfunction that has been coming out of western New York has been crazy because you look at it, Buffalo fires Rex Ryan late into the season last year as their head coach, bench Tyrod Taylor. Then they decide to retain Tyrod Taylor. You bring in Sean McDermott as your new head coach. But then right after the NFL draft, you fire your general manager and Doug Whaley. So I look at Buffalo. They don't have any direction still. They're not sold on Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback. You trade your, your best wide receiver in Sammy Watkins. So, I mean, this is a very, this is a very tough team to get behind. And because of that, I think that 2017 is going to once again be a wash for them. And I think at the end of the day, the only losers in this are the fans in Western New York because the Bills right now are simply not putting a good product out there on the field. And speaking of not putting out a good product on the field, you look at the New York Jets. This is another team. They basically decided to wave the white flag before the regular season even started. You know, they, they've parted with a lot of veterans, they, you know, and Brandon Marshall. You traded Sheldon Richardson to the Seattle Seahawks. You know, David Harris left as a free agent. He signed with the New England Patriots. And if you're the Jets, you have so many question marks on this team, and it starts at quarterback. I look at the Jets' quarterbacking situation right now. You have a veteran, Josh McCown, who has never been able to get it done in the NFL. And you have two youngsters in Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg who are attempting to figure it out. And when you're attempting to figure it out in the New York market, good luck. The Jets 
don't have a lot of talent outside of their defensive line where you have Leonard Williams and Muhammad Wilkerson. And this is going to be, I believe, a historically bad season for the Jets. I mean, I've seen the Jets have some bad seasons, but it's been a while that not only when they came into the season with low expectations, but they had the potential to look to, you know, live up or live down in this case to those low expectations. 2017 is going to want to be one of those years. And because of that, the Jets, I do believe, are going to be the whipping boys of the NFL. One, maybe two victories is going to be just about it for Gang Green. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, people can say whatever they want, but this is the New England Patriots division. They've won this division title, you know, going back to 2001. Once you exclude 2002, and 2008, the Patriots have won this division every other year in that stretch. So, you know, and a big reason for that, the Patriots have basically had the same head coach in Bill Belichick and the same quarterback in Tom Brady with the exception of 2008 when he was injured, and they still went 11-5 and that year. So it's consistency at those key positions. And if you look at the other three teams in this division, that has been their biggest problem. It's been the inconsistency at head coach and the inconsistency at quarterback, which is why they continue to look up to New England in this division. Now, looking ahead to the AFC North, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers won this division last year with a record of 11-5, and and they were able to reach the AFC championship game. And I think this time around, it's going to be all in for the black and gold because – Veteran quarterback Ben Roethlisberger did flirt this offseason with the notion of retiring. And I think with Roethlisberger, you know, he's getting, he's starting to get up there in age. And not only that, it's the wear and tear of the game, the injuries that he has sustained throughout his career. And on top of that, he's looking at some of the injuries that the people that have played before him currently dealing with post-career. And that scares you because it scares me, and I never played in the NFL. So I think this is probably going to be it for Big Ben. And, I mean, he has nothing to be ashamed of because he's had one of the better careers as far as being a quarterback goes in the NFL. He's one of the better quarterbacks that the Pittsburgh Steelers have had. He probably ranks right up there with Terry Bradshaw, you know, as far as fame in that uh, region of the country. And I look at Big Ben, I think Big Ben is definitely going to want to go out on a high note for him and the Steelers organization. You still have Antonio Brown, who is one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. You have Martavis Bryant, who is returning from suspension after he missed the entire 2016 season due to a league-mandated suspension for drug use. You have Le'Veon Bell, who sat out all the training camp in a contract dispute but he is now reported, and I think what that simply came down to is Le'Veon Bell didn't want to be bothered with training camp. And you look at it, is he going to have the stamina at the beginning of the season to take all of those reps? Probably not. And the one thing that you have to be wary of if you're the Steelers, typically when guys set out sit out of training camp, they tend to get injured a few weeks into the season. So I think the, the Steelers really have to be treading on thin ice right here with Bell as far as how much they are going to lean on him at the beginning of the season. And we, we saw 
how big of a factor the Le'Veon Bell could be because Pittsburgh was right in that AFC championship game last January with New England until Le'Veon Bell suffered that groin injury. And when Bell suffered that groin injury, the whole tenor of that game changed. Now, Pittsburgh has what it takes to make the playoffs and once again win this division. My biggest question for the Steelers, who are going to be their defensive playmakers? Because their best defensive player right now in the front seven is James Harrison, and this guy is pushing 40 years old. I think them signing cornerback Joe Hayden late in training camp, the former Cleveland Brown, will be huge. But Pittsburgh needs to find a way to get more production from their linebackers. Bud Dupree has shown it in flashes, but can he put it together for a full season? That is going to be the big thing with the Steelers. Now, I also look in this division at the Cincinnati Bengals. And for the Bengals, this was a team that went 6-9-1 and one last year. They dealt with a litany of injuries, none bigger than the one that happened to wide receiver A.J. Green. Now, Green is back healthy this year, but, you know, a hamstring injury is nothing to fool around with, especially at the wide receiver position when the name of the game is speed. So he's been the go-to guy for Andy Dalton throughout Dalton's time in the NFL. And, you know, Dalton missed him last year. And now Dalton's going to have his go-to guy back. But also I think the Bengals added another element at the wide receiver position when they used their first-round draft pick this year on wide receiver John Ross. And the reason why I bring that up is Ross set an all-time record at the NFL Combine by running a 4.2240. So that is an element of the game that you simply cannot coach, which is speed. But I think the Bengals' offense is at its best when they have balance. And, you know, running back Giovanni Bernard missed time last year due to a knee injury. And when he's healthy along with Jeremy Hill, they give the Bengals one of the one of the best running back tandems in the NFL. You have a rookie like Joe Mixon who was out there to show that he belongs in this league at running back as well. So I think as long as Cincinnati has balance on offense, and once you factor in tight end Tyler Eifert to, uh, to that aspect as well, it really gives the Bengals a shot. But as always with Cincinnati, are they going to be mature enough? And I'm not sure because this is an organization that still has not won a playoff game since January of 1991. They've consistently made the postseason under head coach Marvin Lewis, but they still have not won a game. But I think the Cincinnati team has something to prove this year, especially for Marvin Lewis, because the Bengals did not pick up his option. And this is a guy that is going into the season without an extension past this year. So I think Marvin Lewis wants to go out there and prove something, and if not to the Bengals organization, to another team out there that would be interested in having a head coach. So because of that, I think Cincinnati is ready to bounce back, and I think they're going to give Pittsburgh some competition in this division. Will they have enough to win it? That I am not sure. Then you look at the Baltimore Ravens, and the Ravens, you know, they were 8-8 eight and eight last year. And to me, you know, the Ravens are still feeling the effect of that Super Bowl victory, and the reason why I bring it up is this. Going into Super Bowl number 47 in that year, quarterback Joe Flacco was entering the last year of his contract. The Ravens decided to roll the dice 
And, you know, Joe Flacco got hot in the playoffs, and he earned that Super Bowl MVP, and it ended up costing the Ravens a lot more money. They weren't able to keep guys around him there. And then on top of that, some of their key veterans left and retired. And, you know, you simply don't replace Ray Lewis's and Ed Reed's of the world. And the only link that you have to that team right now is outside linebacker Terrell Suggs. And I think he only has one, maybe two more good years in the NFL. So the Baltimore Ravens right now are an organization that are searching for an identity. And their identity typically is on the defensive side of the football. They don't have those playmakers anymore. The Ravens cannot run the football. Joe Flacco is injured right now. And I know that Joe Flacco has his fair share of naysayers and detractors out there, but guess what? All of those guys that are not on the Joe Flacco bandwagon, they're going to realize what life is life right now for the Ravens without Flacco as he's been injured in training camp and there's a possibility he doesn't play uh, coming up at week number one. So for all of those people that want to say Joe Flacco this and Joe Flacco that, you're you're about to find out how important that Joe Flacco is to this Ravens team. Then you have the Cleveland Browns, and I mean – They've been an albatross since they returned to the NFL in 1999. The Browns have only had uh, two winning seasons since they returned to the NFL, one playoff uh, appearance, no playoff victories. And, you know, a lot of their troubles begin at the quarterback and head coaching positions. The front office hasn't been better because there's been constant turmoil and turnover there as well. And, I mean, the Browns did stick with Hugh Jackson as they are committed to him, and they're going to give him every opportunity. It seems to rebuild and turn this thing around. However, the Browns still have a ton of question marks, and it begins at quarterback. They made the trade with the Houston Texans to bring in quarterback Brock Osweiler only to cut him. And now Cleveland appears ready to go with rookie quarterback Deshaun Kaiser. And I'll tell you right now, before the regular season even starts, I guarantee you that Cleveland uses at least three starting quarterbacks this year. There's no winning culture on this team. You bring in Miles Garrett with uh, with the first overall pick, the defensive end out of Texas A&M, and I think this guy has potential to be a solid NFL player, just not with the Browns. And, you know, you also bring in Jabril Peppers. He's another youngster that could have an impact, just not with the Browns. And, you know, it takes a lot to change the locker room culture in the NFL. And because of that, you know, Hugh Jackson has his work cut out for him because there are some guys on this Browns roster that have the potential to be pro bowlers at some point in their career, just not with the Browns. Why? It's simply because of the losing culture that is around this team. And because of that, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, the other three teams that are in the AFC North don't respect the Browns. And because of that, they are going to consistently struggle and not only struggle with those guys, they're going to struggle with the rest of the league. I mean, they had to go out of their way, you know, or at least the Chargers did last year to find a way to lose that game, or else the Browns would have been 0-16. That's how bad they were. And I don't see it getting that much better uh, for Cleveland heading into a new season. So at this point, the AFC North is the Pittsburgh Steelers' division to lose. Now, looking ahead to the AFC South, 
the first team to get eight victories more than likely wins this division. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, they were 3-13 and last year. And, you know, they used the first-round pick several years ago on quarterback Blake Bortles. But slowly but surely, Jacksonville is beginning to see that Blake Bortles is not the guy. Use your first-round pick on running back Leonard Fournette, and I think he could come in and be an impact player. You have impact players at the wide receiver position in Allen Robertson, Robertson, excuse me, and Allen Hearns. But the bottom line is you have that big question mark over the quarterback, which is never going to cut it. You look at the Tennessee Titans, and they can run the football very effectively with quarterback Marcus Mariota, who was attempting to return from a broken leg that ended his season last year, and it also ended the Titans' playoff hopes. You also have Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray in that backfield, so I think you're going to get a heavy dose of the rushing attack for Tennessee. But you look on the defensive side of the ball for them, and their front seven under defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau, who are the impact players? And right now, Tennessee really doesn't have those guys. You look at the Houston Texans, where the Texans are a Super Bowl team, in my opinion, as long as they can get their issues taken care of at the quarterback position. And that's been the biggest problem since Bill O'Brien has been their head coach. You look at their defense, and it's stout. You have J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, Brian Cushing. You bring in Zach Cunningham, the rookie this year, and you also have Whitney Merciless. This Texans defense can play with the best of them. You look at the wide receiver position with Duke Hopkins and then Houston's ability to run the football with the likes of Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue. And then I think rookie Deontay Foreman out of Texas could have an impact for this team. And I know that the Texans are going to be playing with heavy hearts this season after all of the devastation in that region due to Hurricane Harvey. And, you know, a guy like J.J. Watt has really led the charge as far as trying to rally the city, not as far as, like, rallying them to support the Texans, but just rallying their fellow citizens down there to try to, you know, recover. And I think, you know, he should uh, definitely be uh, commended for that. And, you know, with the quarterback position for the Texans, you know, you have veterans in Tom Savage and Brandon Whedon. But Houston did use a first-round pick on Deshaun Watson. And I think sooner rather than later, you're going to see Watson under center for the Texans. I mean, this guy knows how to win. We've seen what he's done in college the last few years for Clemson. He led them to a national championship this past January. The guy can play. It's just a matter of him simply getting caught up to speed with the NFL game. And because of that, if the Texans can find a way to get Watson up to speed, this could be not only a team that could win this AFC South, but I think they could also be dangerous when the postseason rolls around. Then you look at the Indianapolis Colts. They were an 8-18 eight and 18 last year. Andrew Luck has been dealing with his injuries. He's out for week number one this year. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, the Colts organization has done a terrible job as far as putting talent around Andrew Luck. Because if you look at this Colts team, once you eliminate Andrew Luck from the picture. This is a 2-14 and 14 team, just like they were in 2011 when Peyton Manning sat out the entire year as, as he was recovering from neck surgery. And it's sad, sad, sad that this team has not figured out how to draft. Their O-line, terrible. They're relying on a veteran running back and Frank Gore. 
You have T.Y. Hilton, who is your number one receiver, and realistically he's a number three, and they lack playmakers on the defensive side of the football. So right now, if Houston can put it together and get eight or nine victories, they will win the AFC South going away. Then you look at the AFC West. Now this is a division that was able to produce two 12-win seasons, uh, two 12-win teams rather, last season. One in the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders, and the Chiefs won this division on the strength that they swept the Raiders in the regular season. And of course, things came apart for the Raiders coming down the stretch. Once quarterback Derek Carr suffered a broken leg, they made the playoffs, but then they were embarrassed at the hands of the Houston Texans. And for Oakland, of course, we know that they're set to move to Las Vegas. And it's sad because you have those Raider fans out there in the Bay Area that stood by this team throughout all of the losing. And then they started to come out and support this team once again. And what did they get for the troubles? Mark Davis, the team owner, decided to move to Vegas. Now, the Raiders do have a dynamic young quarterback in Derek Carr. And, you know, you bring in a veteran such as Marshawn Lynch to run the ball, and you have Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree at tight, at wide receiver, rather. But we saw how bad that the Raiders' defense was last year once Derek Carr got injured because they had problems stopping people before as they were simply relying on Derek Carr's ability at quarterback to kind of mask their inefficiencies. So if you're the Raiders, you got to try to, number one, channel out all of that white noise as far as the move to Vegas. Then on top of that, you got to find a way to go out there and get tougher and get more intense on the defensive side of the ball. And until you're able to do that, you know, you're going to make the playoffs. You're going to sell a lot of jerseys, maybe to the folks in Vegas, not not to the people in Oakland anymore. But you're still not a championship team. And I think because of that, you're still going to have your struggles with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs have played solid defense over the past few years under head coach Andy Reid, but they're going to miss defensive tackle Don Terry Poe because he really set the table for that entire defense. He left as a free agent and he signed with the Falcons. Kansas City is still strong at the linebacker position with veterans in Justin Houston and Derek Johnson. Tom Bahali is on the pup list. And you look at this secondary, which is led by Eric Berry, they are definitely still going to be formidable. Now, Kansas City did trade up in the first round this year to select quarterback Patrick Mahomes. I think he is the future, but he is not the present. And the fact that Andy Reid has a reliable veteran quarterback to lean on and Alex Smith really changes things. But the biggest thing for Kansas City is outside of tight end Travis Kelsey, they don't have a lot of impact players on offense. And, again, I think that is what is going to hold them back from being a championship team. Now, the Denver Broncos, this is an organization that is in transition. You have yourself a new head coach in Vance Joseph. You said goodbye to defensive coordinator Wade Phillips, and that's going to be tough for the Broncos because those those guys on defense, they loved and admired Wade Phillips to the point that they would have ran through a wall for him. And now you've taken that away from them. So what is this Denver team going to do? They're another one of these organizations. They have questions at quarterback. Is it going to be Paxton Lynch? Is it going to be Trevor Simeon? And then they just re-signed Brock Osweiler, who was cut by the Browns. So I look at Denver, and, you know, I'm not taking anything away from John Elway. 
who's their executive VP of football operations because he knows how to put a championship team together. This guy took over in 2011, and by 2013, the Broncos were in the Super Bowl. And, of course, in 2015, the Broncos won it all again. So Elway knows how to get it done, and I think it's going to take him a little time, but he is definitely going to get the Broncos back to the championship level. But right now, I think that they're going to be looking up to the Chiefs and Raiders in this division. Same could be said for the Los Angeles Chargers, and i got to get accustomed to saying that because for so long they've been the San Diego Chargers, but the Chargers decided to move to Los Angeles. And I know that some people out there are going to be excited to see them come, but guess what? The Chargers were a bad team in San Diego, and they are still going to be a bad team. You have a veteran quarterback in Phillip Rivers who is bound for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the same could be said for tight end Antonio Gates. But aside from those guys, there are a lot of question marks with the San Diego Chargers team, and because of that, you are looking at a squad that is going to be set to pick in the top ten of the NFL draft next season. Now, one of the most exciting divisions in football could be the NFC East this season. We saw three teams finish with a winning record last year. Both the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants made the postseason, and they have high expectations heading into a new campaign, as do the Redskins and the Philadelphia Eagles. And you look at the Cowboys, they came out of nowhere last year to go 13-3, and and I know that rookie quarterback Dak Prescott got a lot of credit for that, but the backbone of the Cowboys was their running game and Ezekiel Elliott. Now, Elliott is facing a potential six-game suspension from the NFL for a domestic violence incident. I know that the NFLPA is in the process of appealing that suspension for Elliott, and the bottom line is, as he goes, as Dallas Cowboys team goes. And I think that things are going to change this year for Dallas, regardless if Elliott is there or not, because I think the teams are going to attempt to take him away, and they're going to try to make Dak Prescott beat them with his arm. And now you have teams that have a year's worth of game film on one Dak Prescott, and they're going to go out there and they're going to basically take away his strengths as they attempt to magnify his weaknesses. Dallas had issues on defense last year, and I think that is once again going to be the case. As you know, it basically boils down to their ability to run the football because them running the football sets everything up for their passing game with the likes of tight end Jason Witten and, of course, wide receiver Des Bryant and wide receiver Cole Beasley. But the bottom line is, if Elliott is not there and he misses time, it is really going to hurt this Cowboys team. Look at the New York Giants. They were 11-5 and last year under first-year head coach Ben McAdoo. And, you know, he was, you know, he's been given a ton of credit for his, you know, offense. But at times the Giants' offense really struggled last year as they relied on the defense. And I think a big part of that was due to the fact that the Giants really, and I mean really, struggled to run the football. And, you know, the Giants – they missed out on getting Adrian Peterson this offseason as a free agent. They missed out on getting LeGarrette Blunt this offseason as a free agent as well. And it looks like it's going to be, once again, running back by committee with the likes of Wayne Gallman, Paul Perkins, and Orleans Darkwa. 
And somebody has to step up and be the guy. Shane Vereen is coming back from injury, and he's a good back coming out of the backfield as far as catching passes. But the Giants simply don't have that running back that they can lean on consistency, consistently. rather. You have one of the better wide receiver tandems in the NFL. You bring in Brandon Marshall, a team with Odell Beckham. And, of course, Sterling Shepard is a guy that you definitely have to keep an eye on. You look at this Giants defense, they're definitely going to miss Jonathan Hankins on that defensive line, but you still have Snacks Harrison, you have Jason Pierre-Paul, and you have Olivier Vernon. And the one thing about JPP is this. The Giants finally gave him a long-term deal, so you just have to wonder, is he going to behave himself? You look at the Giants' secondary, I know that they were calling themselves the NYPD last year, the New York pass defense and they still have an opportunity to be a very dynamic group led by safety Landon Collins, who is one of the best in the business. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and very quickly have they begun to put a team around quarterback Carson Wentz. Now, Philly finished in last place in this division last year, and because of that, they're going to get an easier schedule. But Philly went 7-9, and and on top of that, this was a team that, you know, they beat everybody in the division. They beat uh, – oh, pardon me, they didn't beat the Redskins, but they did beat the Giants once, and they were able to beat the Dallas Cowboys. So I look at it, you know, Philly knows what it takes to get it done, and I think, you know, they're, like I said, they're continuing to put a good team around Carson Wentz, and I give you – give him about two or three years, and he's going to be ready to contend for the NFL MVP. You bring in a guy like LeGarrette Blunt. You sign a veteran wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. You bring in a veteran who's fresh off of winning a Super Bowl and Chris Long on that defensive line, and you have you know other veterans on that side of the ball like Malcolm Jenkins. So I think Philly is definitely going to be a very formidable team. I think the Washington Redskins are ready to take a step back. We've seen the whole Kirk Cousins fiasco with his uh, contract situation. The Redskins let his top two wide receivers from last year, Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson, leave in free agency. And, you know, it's the Redskins. I mean, every single time that they show potential, they take two or three steps back. And I think this year is going to be no different. But I think the bottom line is the NFC East is going to be one of those divisions. Again, it is definitely going to come down to the last week of the season. Now, in the NFC North, Everybody is once again chasing the Green Bay Packers. Now, last year, Green Bay began the year with a record of four and six, while Detroit was was real hot. But the Packers finished the year on a six-game winning streak, including winning or beating the Lions, rather, in week number 17 at Ford Field. Now, Green Bay still has Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and of course, he is one of the best in the business as far as doing it. But Rodgers can't do it by himself. I'm still, you know, not not sold on Green Bay's running game as they've had to convert uh, wide receiver Ty Montgomery to a running back, and I'm not sold on that uh, aspect of it. You look at, you know, Green Bay's defense, you bring in Ahmad Brooks, the former San Francisco 49ers outside linebacker. You still have Clay Matthews, and I think Clay Matthews' best position on the defensive side of the football is outside linebacker. So I think those are going to be two of the keys for Green Bay, but they still have what it takes to win this division. 
Now you look at the Lions. They started strong last year, but they finished with a whimper. They lost their final three regular season games, and then they were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs by the Seattle Seahawks. And for Jim Caldwell and his team, they really surprised people last year with their ability to win and win and make the playoffs. And they did it a lot with their defense. And the Lions, they didn't have anybody that stood out on that side of the football. But the bottom line is they just went out there and played hard and won games. And the Lions recently gave quarterback Matthew Stafford that huge extension. But I'm not sold on the Lions simply because they can't run the football. You look at their defense. Is Ziggy Ansah going to be healthy this year? On Is he going to have enough to get to the uh, quarterback early and often and as much as possible? I'm not sure about that either. And you simply just can't rely on a gunslinger like Matthew Stafford to get it done. So because of that, I'm not sold on the Lions being able to make it back to the playoffs for a second consecutive year. The Minnesota Vikings, they look like they're once again going to rely on Sam Bradford as quarterback, and that's – not something to really write home about. Of course, the Vikings had a strong start last year. They started off 5-0, and but then, you know, they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. They said goodbye to Adrian Peterson, as he's now a member of the New Orleans Saints, but you do replace him with running back Dalvin Cook, who I think has the potential to be the rookie of the year. And, you know, Minnesota still has that stout defense, you know, with the likes of Brian Robinson. You know, you still have Linval Joseph on that defensive line as well. So I think that's going to be what it takes for Minnesota to hang around in the postseason picture. I don't think they have enough to contend with Green Bay for the top spot, but they could push for a wild card. The Chicago Bears are in the midst of rebuilding, and they're simply trying to find playmakers. They traded up in the first round to get quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, who they feel is their future. Um, But aside from him on on the offensive side of the ball, you know, you still have you know, a lot of youngsters. Okay, sorry about that, folks. Just had some uh, technical difficulties there. Uh, but, you know, I was getting, uh, talking about the NFC South with the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, the, the, you know, last year when they went 6-10 and 10 after they went, uh, you know, 15-1 and one in the previous year, you know, for Carolina, it was just a simple situation. They got away from what made them successful in 2015, and that was running the football and playing solid defense. And I think Carolina has to go back out there, and they have to play with an attitude once again. And I think Carolina is going to get back to being more dynamic on the offensive side of the football this year. And I think a lot of that has to do with their first-round pick, which they used on Stanford running back Christian McCaffrey. And I think this guy is going to be a dynamic playmaker for Carolina, and I think he's going to go out there and have an impact. You know, Julius Peppers was re-signed at defensive end, and this was a guy who began his career with Carolina. And, you know, Julius Peppers is one of the best pass rushers that the NFL has ever seen. You have Luke Keekley on that side of the ball as well. But I think it comes down to the health of quarterback Cam Newton, and Newton did have that shoulder surgery in the offseason. Ron Rivera believes in him, and because of that, I think Carolina's going to try to get back into the mix and be a postseason team once again. You have the Atlanta Falcons, who won this division last year with a record of 11-5. and They won the NFC Championship, and basically they went out of their way 
to lose a Super Bowl is. I mean, they had a 28-3 to lead in the, in the uh, third quarter. So there's really no way to overlook that. But if you're Atlanta, the talent is there to come back and be a playoff team once again. The biggest thing is the mentality after what the Falcons went through. You're going to have uh, two new co- uh, coordinators, both on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. Your defensive coordinator was fired after the Super Bowl. And Kyle Shanahan, your offensive coordinator, is now the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Carolina, pardon me, Atlanta still has Matt Ryan at quarterback, but I think the big thing that Atlanta needs to do this season, they must find more balance on the offensive side of the ball, which means they have to give the football to DeFonta Freeman at running back more. He averaged nearly seven yards per carry in the Super Bowl last season, but coming down the stretch, Atlanta failed to give him the football consistently, which is why they lost that game. You have Julio Jones at wide receiver, who's one of the best in the business. You've upgraded your defensive line by bringing in Dunterry Poe, the team with Grady Jarrett. You know, Vic Beasley Jr. came into his own last year for Atlanta when they moved him to outside linebacker from defense. So, like I said, the talent is there for Atlanta. It's just a matter of them simply overcoming everything that they had to deal with in a Super Bowl because the bottom line is this. It's been seven months, but I guarantee you that is something that is still in the back of their minds. Now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did finish with a winning record last year under first-year head coach Dirk Cutter. Jameis Winston, a quarterback, I think has the potential to be an NFL MVP candidate. He's going to have a lot of targets to get the football to. The Bucs signed veteran wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. You have wide receiver Mike Evans. You signed tight end O.J. Santiago. Um, you drafted, rather, uh, tight end O.J. Howard out of Alabama. So, I mean, the talent is there on that side of the ball for the Bucks. The bottom line is, can Tampa stop teams? And will do they have enough to, to get that one or two extra victories? I mean, again, they were 9-7 and seven last year. But are they going to have enough maturity to get them to propel them to that 10-win mark or that potential 11-win mark because that is what it's going to take for them to be a postseason team. Then you look at New Orleans. They went 7-9 and nine last year, and just as soon as it appeared that they were starting to piece it together once again around quarterback Drew Brees, they trade wide receiver Brandon Cooks to the New England Patriots. So now you have to replace him. And then Willie Sneed, is going to miss several games due to suspension. You signed veteran running back Adrian Peterson, and I think Peterson has something to prove to not only the Minnesota Vikings who gave up on him, but also to himself because this is probably his last best chance to get to a Super Bowl now that he's going to be in the backfield with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Breeze. But for the Saints, they still can't stop anybody defensively, and because of that, it doesn't matter if Drew Brees is throwing for 5,000 yards a year, if he's throwing for 5,000 yards a year and they're not winning and you're not stopping anybody, it really doesn't mean anything. And because of that, I think New Orleans is going to sit by and look at everybody else contending in this division. I think the true contenders are going to be Atlanta, Tampa Bay, and Carolina. And at this point, I think it's going to be more of a fight between Atlanta and Carolina for the top spot in the NFC South. 
Now, moving ahead to the NFC West, for so many years, this division has been the Seattle Seahawks to lose, and I think that still is the case. You have this Legion of Boom secondary. Yes, they're getting older, but they are still one of the better units in the league. And, of course, I'm talking about free safety Earl Thomas, strong safety Cam Chancellor, and cornerback Richard Sherman. You have Bobby Wagner at middle linebacker. You have Michael Bennett on that defensive line. And then you just acquired defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson from the New York Jets. And I think he fits in to what the Seattle Seahawks do on that side of the ball. So I think Seattle is once again going to be formidable. You have Russell Wilson. And I think that the Seahawks could have a motivated Eddie Lacy on their hands this year running back. Of course, Lacy made his mark in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers, but weight issues have really taken away from his potential. But the Seahawks put a lot of incentive money into his contract to keep his weight down. And because of that, I think Lacey's going to be motivated to go out there and have a big year in the Pacific Northwest. You look at the Arizona Cardinals last year, and they really stumbled after making the NFC Championship game in the previous year. You have a veteran quarterback, Carson Palmer, who's holding on, as is veteran wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald. You have running back David Johnson, who is very dynamic, but the Cardinals' production at wide receiver really dipped off behind Fitzgerald last year. Arizona's defense, they know how to get physical under head coach Bruce Arians. And, I mean, they have some playmakers over there, led by Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson, in that secondary are they going to have enough to get past seattle and win the nfc west for the second time in three years i'm not sure but they definitely have what it takes to remain in contention for a wild card spot the los angeles rams went four and 12 last year in their first season back in southern california since 1994 i don't see it getting too much better for the rams you know they have a young head coach in sean mcveigh But I wasn't sold on Jared Goff last year at quarterback, and I'm still not sold on him. They acquired wide receiver Sammy Watkins from the Buffalo Bills to be Goff's go-to guy. You have running back Todd Gurley, who's looking to bounce back after his big rookie season in 2015. But overall, I'm not sold on the Rams. Aaron Donald, he's still sitting out. He wants his contract extension. He's one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL, and it's a typical Rams. They don't want to pay somebody. And the bottom line is, if these guys are your best players, you need to go out there and pay them. The Rams aren't doing that, and because of that, they're only going to hurt themselves on the gridiron. Then you have the San Francisco 49ers. This is your first year under general manager John Lynch and head coach Kyle Shanahan. They passed up on taking a quarterback early. John Lynch is going to try to build this team on the defensive side of the ball, and typically Uh, When you do that, when you have that mentality, it's going to take a little bit longer. But I think Lynch has patience, as does Shanahan, to try to get things turned around. The 49ers were 2-14 last year, and their only two victories came against the Rams. So, you know, it's crazy because this is a 49ers team that just five years ago was in the Super Bowl. That's how quickly things go away in the NFL. So I look at it right now. The Niners, you know, it's sad because the Niners had a championship team a couple of years ago, and now they are starting over. And, you know, the 49ers, they they, they got to go back to that culture because, you know, Jim Harbaugh, as soon as he got there in 2011, was able to change the culture in San Francisco rather quickly. Granted, 
it was on the back of what Mike Singletary started, but now all of that hard work has gone away and the 49ers have simply, you know, started back over at scratch. And, you know, because of that and because of the Rams' issues, I think that the Seattle Seahawks once again are going to be in prime position to uh, win this division. But as far as the postseason goes, the teams that look at for postseason spots in the AFC, you definitely got to look at the Patriots, Steelers, uh, the Texans, I say the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at the Dolphins, Cincinnati Bengals, and Oakland Raiders as potential uh, wildcard teams with it more than likely being the Dolphins and the Bengals. And then on the NFC side, you look at this NFC East, and, I mean, it could go either way because, I mean, you look at Philly, they got a good squad. Dallas, you know, as long as Ezekiel Elliott is there, they're going to be in the mix. The Giants and quarterback Eli Manning. Uh, so, I mean, that division could go either way. I think the NFC North, it's Green Bay to lose, and they won't lose it. The NFC South, I think, is going to be a dogfight between the Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons. And I think Tampa's going to be in that mix while Seattle is the team to beat in the NFC West. Now, wild card could get a little uh, dicey, uh, to say the least, in the NFC East, because I think that Philly, Dallas, and the Giants are going to be in the mix because obviously only one team can win the division. No real wild card contenders for me coming out of the NFC North. With the NFC South, you know, you got the Falcons, you got the Bucks, and you got the Panthers all fighting for position. And I think the Cardinals will fight for a position out West because I think Seattle uh, has what it takes to win that division. But as far as Super Bowl picks go, I think New England comes out of the AFC East, a part of me out of the AFC in general for, you know, the second consecutive year, you know, barring like, like a rash of injuries. I know the Julian Edelman injury is big and that's something that they're going to have to overcome. But, I don't think that it's it's a deal breaker, uh, to say the least. For the NFC, I mean, this is a real toss-up this year more than any other year. You look at the Giants, they have a Super Bowl chance. So do the Cowboys. You know, you never want to write off Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Carolina could get hot with Cam Newton. And, you know, you can never write off Seattle. But the bottom line is I, I still think that, Super Bowl championship wise, I think that the New England Patriots are still the team to beat. You know, Tom Brady was extra motivated last year, and I think Tom is going to want to try to do it again because he knows what it takes to repeat, and I think he's really going to try to go out there and motivate his guys. So, because of that, I still think that the New England Patriots are the team to beat. And as long as they get a first round bye, and if they potentially get home field advantage again this year in the AFC, I think the Patriots are going to have their bags packed for Minneapolis come next February. Now, some teams to look look at as far as being in the top ten of next year's NFL draft, I think the Jets are destined for top three. The same thing can be said for Cleveland Browns. Jacksonville is not going to be good. Neither are the Chargers. You could put the Bears into that mix as well, and you could put the Niners and the Rams into that mix as well. Your NFL MVP candidates this year, you got to look at Tom Brady with New England. Um, I'm looking 
Also at Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay, of course, that's more of the usual suspect thing. I think you could put Jameis Winston into that mix uh, with Tampa Bay as well. And, I mean, I look at my rookie of the year candidates, I think it's going to be a running back theme this year is I think Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, and Dalvin Cook could all be impact players for their respective teams. Now, some coaches to look at in regards to the hot seat. Uh, You look at Chuck Pagano with the Indianapolis Colts, and, I mean, he barely got that extension a few years ago. The Colts simply aren't a good team, and the Colts aren't a good organization, but you're never going to fire the owner. So I think that could make Chuck Pagano, you know, basically be on borrowed time. You also look – You know, at at situations around the league, I think a guy like Mike Zimmer will be safe with the Minnesota Vikings. I think Jim Caldwell will be okay with the Detroit Lions. But I definitely think one guy to look for as far as being on the hot seat heading into the season has to be Chuck Pagano. But I think with that said, I think we are set for another action-packed NFL season. Like I said, the Patriots enter this season as a defending Super Bowl champions. And when it's all said and done, I think it's still going to be that way as they right now are simply the class of the National Football League. So, folks, that is going to wrap it up. And as always, I want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com. I'll be back on the air this Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, recapping all of the all of Sunday's action from week number one and the NFL. Now, if you're on Twitter, please feel free to follow me at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is the Facebook page at 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. You can check it out, and you are more than welcome to like it as well. I'm in the process of putting up my NFL uh, projections division by division, and you can check those out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com. As always, big-time shout-out to 150 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you're hearing is possible. And always, much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope. And like I always say, the sky is the limit for her. She has so many big things ahead of her in her lifetime. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your Labor Day, and we'll catch you here the next time on the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. 